0: Hello and welcome to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. I'm here to share techniques and tools to help you engage with your audience and bring art, objects and ideas to life. So let's dive into this week's show. Welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. This is episode 12 and today I'm talking all about how to share information in your programs. So this is a subject I feel really passionate about and something that has come up at pretty much every training session I've led over the past 10 years and also something that's a core part of my Visible Thinking in the Museum online course. I've also got a new two-part mini course specifically on this subject and I'll tell you about that at the end of this episode. Before we get started, just a quick note to say that if you'd like to support the show, you can now encourage my creative side by buying me a cup of tea on buymeacoffee.com forward slash I'll also put a link in the show notes. And the show notes are available on my website, thinkingmuseum.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode 12. So now, let's get started with today's episode. How and when should we share information in our educational programs, online sessions and guided tours? How can we share information in a way that keeps our participants engaged and curious. In this week's episode, I'm sharing some thoughts on information garnered over the last 10 years and also six best practices for sharing information in your sessions. So many of us are experts in our field, possibly historians, art historians or archaeologists, and more, and we want to share that incredible knowledge with the groups we lead in our programmes. However, the information dump, the monologue, or the lecture, call it what you will, is still an all-too-common way of sharing that knowledge. It's also still a standard way of presenting an historic site, a city, or a museum to the public – usually in the form of a guided tour a walking tour or a highlights program unfortunately participants on these type of programs these walk and talk programs will remember very little of the information they are told less than 5% in fact they will also become exhausted and maybe even irritated by the nonstop flow of information They may even leave your session, programme or tour, none the richer or wiser for the time they've spent with you. So even though you think you might be generously sharing all your knowledge, you're actually achieving the opposite. The fact that you, a guide or an educator or creative, might have spent months or even years learning this information isn't a good enough reason to empty the contents of your head onto a group of unsuspecting participants. So I think we place far too much emphasis on the delivery of content, information or knowledge in our programmes. Now, one of my favourite museum education articles that I go back to time and time again was written in the 1980s uh, by Patterson Williams and it's called... Object-Oriented Learning in Art Museums, and I'll link to this article in the show notes. Now, I come back to this article again and again, and this quote is particularly important. She says, The primary aim of museum education must be to bring together people and objects, not people and information about objects. She goes on to say that programs that deal only in information sharing are peripheral to the essential experience of the visitor. And she says the essential experience is of seeing, reacting to and thinking about an object. And I 100% agree. I share this quote regularly because I feel so strongly about it. I feel that we place too much emphasis on the delivery of content, information, knowledge, and we forget that we're also helping to develop skills in our programs, such as observing, describing, comparing, contrasting, identifying, classifying, and so on. And I've been really pleased over the last 20 years or so to see many organisations, including museums, working hard at training their teams to lead interactive discussion based programmes that involve the participants in conversation or dialogue. And that's great. But what I found is that they are not explicitly teaching their teams how to confidently use their knowledge and to use that knowledge in a more productive and strategic way. And by productive and strategic, I mean reducing the amount of information and knowing how, when and if to add it into a discussion. And another thing I've noticed in the many visible thinking in the museum trainings I've done over the years is that the number one question I get asked is, when can I share my knowledge with the group? What's the best time to share art historical or historical information? So there's definitely something going on. We still have programs using the information dump or monologues. We have too much emphasis on content. And we have the educators, the ones delivering the programs, asking me how and when they can share their knowledge. So let's try and unpack all of this. So first of all, it's important to make the point that there are two broad types of discussion-based programs out there. The first type Is what could be called an open program and this is a program where the dialogue is allowed to flow organically without any limits and in an open program there's no fixed theme and therefore the limits of the sessions are really open to the imagination they can be very rich very rewarding experiences And open programmes are quite often slow-looking or mindful-looking sessions. They're also things like visual thinking strategy sessions. And in these, information might be shared or it might not be. But the emphasis is much more on personal connections and interpretations. The second type of programmes are thematic programmes and this is where the discussion or the dialogue is framed by a theme, such as identity, nature or slavery perhaps. And themes are common in museum and heritage programmes and especially in guided tours because they can unify a programme. You choose a selection of artworks or objects that fit into your chosen theme. And it's important to note that on thematic programmes, information is very likely to be shared. Um, By the way, I think that all educators embrace a variety of approaches and methodologies, and they may use both of these types, um, both open and thematic, in a more hybrid approach in a programme. Now, if you're working on a thematic programme, it's safe to say that at a certain point, you might want to share some information, uh, perhaps about the artwork or the object you're discussing. And especially if it's a programme that's linked to the school curriculum or linked to a specific exhibition. But how do you share that information? What are the best ways to share that information so that it's memorable and engaging? And I think that knowing if, when and how To add information is key to fostering understanding and engagement on any of your programs, whether it's a guided tour, an art discussion or an educational program. Most people are likely to forget information when they're not challenged to think about it or when they're not given the opportunity to make connections between new and prior knowledge. And we know that lecturing only leads to this small amount of retention, around 5%, and most of it will go in one ear and out the other. We also know that people learn best when they're actively involved in the learning process, yet lecturing still exists. Now, going back in time, after I left my Uh, left university. My first job was as a tour manager, and this was in the 1990s. And I was trained very much to spill out information, as much information as possible, over the microphone of a coach and during walking tours all over Europe. And I was very much a one-way drone fest. And that's a phrase that uh, Nina Simon put in a blog post a few years back that stuck with me. I had a lot of fun researching the content to share with my visitors. I used jokes, anecdotes and storytelling where possible. But on a coach, interaction and audience participation is a bit limited due to logistics and so on. But I wondered always how much of what I told them they actually remembered when they returned home. Later on... In the 90s, I worked in educational travel for a number of years and one of my responsibilities was to select, monitor and evaluate city guides in various European capitals, Amsterdam being one of them. And this was no mean feat because city guides, you might know, especially those who've had to pass an exam to register, love to share their knowledge with you and sometimes it can be vast and unfortunately on some of these tours the flow of this knowledge was sometimes so fast and at such a volume that we were left uninterested and quite bored because no one can concentrate on someone who's speaking at them for that length of time you just switch off And I remember lots of conversations I had with different guides, different city guides, and asking them, talking to them about transmitting information in such volumes and saying it wasn't working for our groups. And our groups at the time were American high school students on educational travel programs. I did try to suggest a less is more approach, less information and more questions and activities, But I rarely got a positive response. It was usually something along the lines of I've spent years and years learning all this information and it's my duty to pass it on. Now, I also know from my own experience with groups in the museum and on guided tours that sometimes it might feel easier to be on autopilot than to learn how to invite questions and dialogue into your programmes. But I have found myself in the same place, at the same time, saying the same thing. Now, I know from my own experiences with groups in the museum and leading guided tours that sometimes It does feel easier to be on autopilot than learning how to invite questions and dialogue and conversations into your programs. But at many points, I found myself in the same place at the same time saying the same thing. And it really bothered me. I didn't like that feeling. So there is a delicate balance to be struck between selective inclusion of content and information overload. And include great content and great information by all means in your programmes. But don't let your programme be dependent on it. Put the focus on your participants rather than yourself as the expert and create participant-centred experiences that allow your group's opportunities for thinking, creative thinking, critical thinking throughout. And it's a much more rewarding experience knowing that you will never repeat the same program twice when you start working in this way. You'll never find yourself in the same place at the same time saying the same thing as no two programs are ever the same. And it does give you a much better feeling when you know that participants will leave your programs with insights and knowledge that they'll remember and memories that they'll cherish. So I personally believe that we should think really carefully about what content is the most relevant to a particular group and if, when and how that information should be shared. And we need to think about how we can use the information and knowledge we have in a more productive and strategic way. So now let's look at some best practices for sharing information. So the first best practice is ditch the lecture or monologue. Now, as I've already said, a long lecture, information dump or monologue is the worst way to deliver information to your group. They have no control over the pace of delivery. They can't pause you so they can process and think And it won't deliver any lasting learning. They just won't remember that much of it. And they won't remember that much of it for any significant length of time either. So remember, teaching is not telling. It's a familiar phrase, but it's a really useful one to repeat here. Telling people stuff is not an effective way to genuine understanding. And it's certainly not memorable. So talk less and get your group talking more. Make your programmes a lecture-free zone. Move from a monologue to a dialogue. Get interested in starting conversations, discussions and dialogues instead. The second best practice is less is more. So don't try and cram everything in. You may want to deliver maximum value, but that doesn't mean you need to cram as much information into their heads as possible. Just because you know it doesn't mean you have to share it. So share your information in small amounts, at key moments, and avoid the big information dump like the plague. You don't want to kill their curiosity. Pay attention to their body language and look for signs. Are they looking away or down at their feet? Are they shifting around uncomfortably? These are all signs that you might be losing the interest of the group. The third best practice is to activate curiosity. So don't be tempted to share all your information at once. And when you mention something about a subject that someone's genuinely interested in, or perhaps you spark a new interest for someone, participants will instinctively want to know more. They will often ask a question to find out more from you. So don't share everything at once. Wait for the questions to come. Provoke their curiosity. You can also use visual aids to stimulate curiosity. So show photographs, maps or objects to increase their interest in a subject or theme. The fourth best practice is to talk less. So get your group talking and asking more. Think conversation rather than presentation. Think Dialogue rather than monologue. You are there to answer your group's spoken and unspoken questions. So, to draw people in, ask plenty of open ended questions, you know, the questions that encourage discussion and encourage them to seek out their own answers. And if you want to know more about questioning skills, listen to episode 4 and episode 10, and then you can find out more about working on your skills. Also ask people what they're wondering about, about what they'd like to find out more about or what questions they still have. And the aim is for you to talk less and for the group to ask you more. So the fifth best practice is make sure your information is specific, specific to that group, that time and that place. So don't go off on tangents unless your group has asked about something that's a bit off topic. And just because your enthusiasm and passion is for porcelain doesn't mean you have to treat your participants to a download from your head when the programme is about other types of ceramics. That's a true story. Keep it relevant. Share specific information for that specific type of programme. And lastly, number six, don't be afraid to kill your darlings. So this can seem painful, but it must be done. Eliminate any non-essential information. Work on what needs to be removed rather than what you need to add. Ask yourself the questions. Is this essential to the theme of today's session? Does this need to be said here and now? Is it relevant to today's audience? Think about what might be relevant to an adult, might not be so interesting to a teenager, for example. So that's it, my six best practices for sharing or delivering information and my thoughts on how we need to think carefully about any information we use in a programme done well, information is a tool that we can use to create discussions around art and objects that are engaging and memorable. Now, if you still have remaining questions and you'd like To dig a little bit deeper in how best to share and handle information in your programmes, then you might want to think about joining my mini course starting on the 13th of July and finishing on the 20th. It's a two part course and we'll have two 90 minute live Zoom sessions and we'll cover how to handle information delivery in discussion based programmes. We'll look at different problems with information and how to plan a discussion based on a theme. You'll learn how to use my what, how, when framework. And this is a great framework for selecting a theme and the right amount of information that is meaningful to your audience. You will learn best practices on different ways to share information and when the information can be shared. You can find out more and sign up via my website, go to thinkingmuseum.com forward slash shop and click on From Monologue to Dialogue, How to Share Information to Engage and Delight Your Audience. So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share it with a friend or leave me a review. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the show, you can buy me a cup of tea on buymeacoffee.com. Forward slash Claire Bound. You can also find me on Instagram most days at Thinking Museum. So do head over there and tell me what you think. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. You can find more art engagement resources by visiting my website, thinkingmuseum.com And you can also find me on Instagram at Thinking Museum, where I regularly share tips and tools on how to bring art to life and engage your audience. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with others and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.